This episode is brought to you by Prize Picks, the number one daily fantasy sports app. Oh my goodness. Good morning, good afternoon. Whatever it is for you, I hope you're having a fantastic day. My name is Zach Schaumler. This is Strong Opinion Sports, episode 586. Welcome in. Uh, I am not 100% just yet. I've got a headache. That could be from watching football for two days straight. It's very possible. I should probably try to figure out how to get some of those blue light glasses that make it so you can look at a screen for like 25 hours in a row and not feel any eye strain or headache. That could be contributing. Although again, my cough is still kind of here. I, you know, I, if there's any weird cuts in this episode, it will be because I, uh, I probably died coughing and just had to take a moment. Uh, but I'm not, I'm not hundred percent yet, but I will be there very soon. Uh, today we're going to talk all about NFL week three. I expect a short episode. Remember, I'm one man. I can't watch every single game on a Sunday. So if you feel like I leave something out, let me know. I want to hear what interests you guys and talk about the things you care about. I'm going to talk about Miami, Denver, Chicago, Arizona. I am curious. We've still got two Monday night football games left this week. We've got a doubleheader, Philly and Tampa, and then the Rams play Cincinnati. Those are the two Monday night games during NFL Week 3, but... All but two Week 3 games have been played, so I'm curious, what was your favorite thing during NFL Week 3? Write in, let me know. There's stuff I leave out of this episode. I'm happy to circle back and cover it on Tuesday's episode. Remember, I'm recording this Sunday night after Sunday Night Football. Let's jump into Sunday Night Football. On Sunday Night Football, the Pittsburgh Steelers beat the Las Vegas Raiders in Vegas 23-18. to And I want to start with a moment from this football game that... uh was baffling. It confused me. I didn't understand at the time I was watching going, feels pretty obvious what you should do. And the coach didn't do what felt obvious to me. Uh, Pittsburgh was up 23 to seven in the fourth quarter, but the Raiders actually, to their credit, made the game fairly interesting in the fourth quarter. They climbed back. They got a touchdown. They got a two point conversion that made an eight point game, 23 to 15. Then the Raiders got another stop on defense and the ball back once again. And on that final, I guess really technically the second to last possession for the Raiders, but truly the last time they got the ball with any meaningful amount of time to do anything, Raiders head coach Josh McDaniels made a move that I still, um, even a couple hours later, do not understand. I don't know what he was thinking. I don't know why the decision was made that he made, but it was fourth and four. Ball on the eight-yard line, two minutes and 25 seconds left. Raiders were down eight points. They needed a touchdown and a two-point conversion to tie the game. And you know what they did? Fourth and four, eight-yard line in the red zone. Down eight points, two minutes left. They kicked a field goal. I don't know why. It didn't make sense to me. Like, congratulations, it's a five-point game. Woo, good job. I I don't know how that really helped you. Uh, And the Raiders didn't get the ball back until there were 12 seconds left. They got the ball deep in their own territory with 12 seconds left. Again, like, you had the ball, you had a shot to tie the game, and you kicked a field goal instead of going for it on fourth and four. Um, and I don't know how that field goal helped them at all. It, it didn't benefit them. They could have tied it up, potentially gone to overtime. Look, maybe on fourth and four, you don't get it. But then you're left in exactly the same situation you would have been in anyway with the ball and not enough time left to score a touchdown. I And actually, frankly... If you go for it on fourth and four, then you got a Pittsburgh Steelers offense who didn't score at all in the fourth quarter. 
backed up way in their own territory. If you get a stop and get the ball back anyway, I mean, I don't know. I just, I don't understand how the field goal is helpful for the Raiders. And it felt like a monumental moment of mismanagement from the Raiders head coach, Josh McDaniels. It was baffling. It was confusing. And I'd love to hear from Raiders fans. Do you agree? Do you feel like that was just a dumb decision at the end of the game by Raiders head coach, Josh McDaniels? But that being said, um, Steelers quarterback, Kenny Pickett, I mean, this is uh, not a very hard thing to do, but he did have his best game of the year so far. He was 16 for 28 passing. No turnovers. Hallelujah. That was great to see. Had 235 yards passing, two touchdowns. Um, I mean, it helped the Raiders ran the ball. Sorry, the, helped the, the Pittsburgh Steelers ran the ball for over 100 yards in this football game, 105 yards total rushing for the Steelers. But while Kenny Pickett wasn't amazing, he was definitely better. And uh, it's amazing what can happen. Makes a difference when you're not playing one of the best defenses in football, whether that's San Francisco or Cleveland. And uh, this feels like the beginning of maybe an opportunity for Kenny Pickett to build on this and move forward the rest of the year. Uh, We'll see what happens. He wasn't great. Let's admit that. He was okay. But uh, Kenny Pickett was better than he's been the rest of the year to this point. And uh, I, I will say, you have to acknowledge this if you're going to talk about Kenny Pickett honestly and acknowledge the good and the bad. Uh, Kenny Pickett had a throw that should have been a pick six. Marcus Peters dropped it. So like I said, there was good, there was bad. Uh, Kenny Pickett trending in the right direction, but still not a dominant great performance from Kenny Pickett uh, whatsoever. Raiders quarterback Jimmy Garoppolo threw three interceptions, and uh, one was on the second to last play of the game. They got the ball 12 seconds left, way deep in their own territory. So one interception, it's like, yeah, it's hard to to really blame Jimmy G, but it wasn't like Jimmy G was a, a an outstanding player and had an amazing game. Uh, he threw for a lot of yards and put together some good numbers, but um, they really didn't do anything on offense. The Raiders didn't until the fourth quarter. It is worth noting Devontae Adams had 13 catches for 172 yards and two touchdowns. And uh, now as someone who is playing fantasy football for the first time, I now understand the significance of that. I know that whoever had Devontae Adams probably scored, I don't know, like 40-something points and was really, really happy and at home going like, ah, I won my league, yay. Like, I, I'm sure somebody out there is really, really excited. I was bummed, though, because we've had three weeks of Sunday night football now. Week one, Dallas beat the Giants 40 to nothing. That was not a great game. Week two, Tua and the Patriots, uh, Tua beat the Patriots, excuse me. Tua and the Dolphins beat the Patriots. I was trying to say that, but it got all jumbled together. Uh, you know, remember... Miami beat the Patriots 24 to 17. They had a big lead. It kind of got cut down at the end, but ultimately the Patriots couldn't come back. And watching Mac Jones and the brilliant Patriots offense wanted me to, it made me want to pull my eyeballs out. And then uh, week three, we get Jimmy Garoppolo against Kenny Pickett. I, I really want to see, we keep having primetime Sunday night games that are eh, like not great. Next week, by the way, Buffalo plays Miami, and it's not Sunday Night Football. It's not even—it's like, why can't—how what? Next week on Sunday Night Football, we have to watch Kansas City at the Jets, which would have been great if it was Aaron Rodgers against Patrick Mahomes, but instead—I mean, I'm excited. We get to watch Patrick Mahomes. At least we get to watch that. That'll be better than nothing. I'll take Patrick Mahomes any day of the week. He's just fun to watch, but Mahomes against Zach Wilson, when I know there's a better game out there— Buffalo and Miami, and we're not going to have that as a national primetime game. That's disappointing and uh, feels weird to me. And uh, the best football game I've watched all year, college or pro, 
has to have been Colorado at TCU week one of college football, where Colorado upset TCU. It was fun. It was high scoring. It was back and forth, and they were trading leads. And uh, I feel like ever since that game, nothing can live up to that moment. I've been kind of chasing that feeling ever since. And uh, I think it's a me problem, but I want to watch great football. And a lot of football games this year so far have been blowouts or, you know, one team that uh, has a big lead, the lead gets cut down a little bit. But a lot of the games, I mean, I guess watching Giants, uh, Arizona last week, watching the Giants come back, that was really fun and compelling. And there have been moments that have been awesome. And Washington came back and beat Denver last week. That was fun as well. But man, Sunday night football has been kind of getting shafted. And, uh, you know, I, I love watching football games on Prime on Thursday night now because of Prime Vision, so I don't really care if they're good games or not. I get to watch the All-22 live with a broadcaster. It's pretty amazing, but um, next week, Sunday Night Football, Kansas City against the Jets. Probably not going to be a great game. That's disappointing. What I will say, and I want to start promoting now that I cannot wait for, is uh, two weeks from now. The game of the century is going to be Dallas at San Francisco. Dak Prescott against Brock Purdy. Two great defenses going head-to-head. I can't wait for that game. That feels like the the 49ers and Cowboys of old. And uh, that's two weeks from now on Sunday Night Football, week five. That game cannot come fast enough. I think that's the game that's going to make me feel that same feeling of like, what, what TCU Colorado gave me week one in college football, I think that game could give me that same feeling where I'm like, I don't know who's going to win. It's really fun. It's really interesting. It's back and forth. And, uh, you know, I, I guess I just got spoiled early on in the season, and I've been chasing that feeling ever since. By the way, in this football game, still talking about Sunday Night Football, between the Steelers and the Raiders, there was a call that uh, it, was, it was a roughing the passer call on Minka Fitzpatrick. If you haven't watched it, I encourage you to look it up. I, it's just not it's just not roughing the passer. I'm a former quarterback. I, I believe in protecting the quarterback, but I don't know what you got to do to play defense anymore. Playing defense feels like it's got to be the worst feeling. I mean, it seems like it's got to be the worst feeling and worst thing to do on the planet. No matter what you do doing your job, you get screwed over and uh, a penalty gets called on you. Pretty brutal. I didn't look it up. I didn't see a penalty on Mikovic Patrick. It looked like a, a good sack, honestly. And, uh, Instead, it was a, a first and goal situation for the Raiders. So, I don't know, man. I, I understand protecting quarterbacks. I'm all for it. Quarterbacks have to be healthy. If they're not healthy, then the league is losing. But that's a good clean sack to me. Yeah, I guess the helmet kind of hit Jimmy G. If you watch a video, there's like a an incidental moment, but it's not a dirty hit. He doesn't level the he- level lay. I guess what am I saying? He doesn't stick his head down and lead with the helmet. I don't know, man. If that's roughing the passer, we have a lot of lot of problems right now in football, which I guess we probably do. All right, um, before we get into Miami's catastrophic victory over Denver, we got to pay the bills. So uh, let's do it. Let's pay the bills. Prize Picks is the number one daily fantasy sports app. Prize Picks allows you to make an entry based on player projections, and in 60 seconds, you could enter something like Travis Kelsey more than five catches, Tyreek Hill more than 100 yards receiving, and Justin Fields less than 200 yards passing. And if your picks are right, you can win money. Making picks makes games more engaging, and you could turn something like $5 into $50. Prize Picks offers quick and easy deposits. You can even use Apple Pay. And they have weekly promotions that can lead to big payouts. For example, there's a weekly event called Taco Tuesday. 
Each Tuesday, Prize Picks discounts select player projections up to 25% to provide even more value. So put your skills to the test in daily fantasy. Go to prizepicks.com slash CLNS and use code CLNS for a first deposit match up to $100. That's prizepicks.com slash CLNS, code CLNS, for a first deposit match up to $100. Prize picks, daily fantasy made easy. All right, we are back. Uh, let's talk about it. The Miami Dolphins beat Denver 70 to 20. 70 to 20. That's like when I played Madden with my little brother growing up. I mean, that's just a not competitive, wildly one-sided football game. And uh, first of all, this is a catastrophic loss if you were a member of the Denver Broncos. One of their fans, their head coach, Sean Payton, their quarterback, no matter who you are, if you are a part of Broncos country, quite honestly, this has to be a discouraging, horrifying, awful loss for Denver. The Broncos are now 0-3. And uh, they lost their first two games by a combined three points. They lost 16 to 17 week one to the Raiders. Then they lost 35 to 33 to Washington in week two. But then this this week three loss is embarrassing and brutal. He lost by 50 points. They're 0 and 3. I am not sure how Denver's going to overcome this loss. I mean, they might. They're probably going to win next week. They play Chicago. Their next six games will play Chicago. The Jets then KC, Green Bay, Kansas City again, and then Buffalo, followed by, I believe, Minnesota, then Cleveland. So I see a lot of losses in the future for Denver. And I I think this is a low point as an organization that is going to be really, really hard to come back from. You hired a good coach. Uh, He was supposed to save the franchise. And not only did you lose the first two games, you're 0-3 after just a totally one-sided butt-smacking and... uh, I, I don't know how Denver's going to recover from this loss, truly. Uh, again, they they probably beat Chicago next week. If they don't beat Chicago, then I, is it too early to fire Sean Payton? Like, what do you do if you lose? I mean, it's that'd be all bad. I think they're going to win, win next week and beat Chicago, who's also 0-3. They probably beat the Jets and, uh, you know, the the Nathaniel Hackett revenge game where Nathaniel Hackett, the former head coach of Denver, is the offensive coordinator for the Jets, but he's got a horrible quarterback, Zach Wilson. And I don't, you know, I don't know. I just, I, I want to take a moment of silence and just, you know, hang in the moment of like, I feel bad. And I, I'm actually not going to take a moment of silence. I'm just going to say, I feel horrible for Broncos fans. I, you've had years and years of enduring pain. Last year was one of the worst seasons I've ever seen from any football team. And, uh, I mean, I had to watch. I watched that Thursday night game last year between Indy and Denver. Matt Ryan at quarterback, Russell Wilson at quarterback for the Broncos. Just, I mean, neither team seemed to want to win that football game last year. And, uh, you know, it was a huge day. This game, Miami scored 70 points this week. They beat Denver. That is just a few points shy of the most points ever in an NFL game. Denver actually had a shot to kick a field goal and uh, break the record with uh, 73 points, but they chose to kneel down instead. I-, I liked that Mike McDaniel, after the game, acknowledged that and said, look, we don't want to chase points that didn't feel like the the goal we came into today was to, to break some record. And uh, he felt like message-wise, it would send the wrong message to the team and um, not have our priorities in the right spot. Also, it's classy. 
And it wasn't like Miami was trying to run up the score. In the second half, they ran the ball, they ran the ball, they ran the ball a ton, and it just kept working really, really well. Denver ended up giving up 350 yards rushing to the Miami Dolphins. The Miami Dolphins, again, they ran the ball for five touchdowns and 350 yards. Rookie running back Devin A. Chain had 203 yards on 18 carries for two touchdowns. Raheem Mostert had 82 yards and three touchdowns. Uh, I mean... Backup quarterback Mike White came came in the game on the second play of the fourth quarter uh, on offense for them, and uh, he threw two passes. One of them happened to be a long 68-yard touchdown pass to Robbie Chosen, but that wasn't, I, I'm telling you, Miami wasn't trying to score 70 points. That's just how bad the Broncos' defense is. Now, they were uh, early on in the game. I'm, I'm talking about in garbage time at the end of the game. They kept scoring, and I don't think they were even really trying to. That's how bad Denver was. In the first half, certainly, uh, Miami is pouring it on and very happy to do so. Dolphins quarterback Tua Tungavaloa had uh, 309 yards passing. He was 23 for 26 passing. That is three incompletions on the day. He had four touchdown passes. He only played one play in the fourth quarter. It was kind of like Tua was back at Alabama. That's an Alabama score. 70 to 20 is like when Alabama plays New Mexico State or something. Or when they play South Florida, except for this year. (laughs) So I had to take a little dig there. Uh, It was a dominant win, man. Miami's 3-0. And uh, Tua was fantastic. I do worry. Next week, Miami plays at Buffalo. They're 3-0. Everyone's kind of already talking about this game. Miami at Buffalo as the game of the century, game of the year. I'm actually a bit worried for Miami. I know that when you come off a massive victory, and and by the way, so is the Buffalo Bills just beat Washington 37 to 3. It's not like Buffalo isn't also coming off of a big win. But whenever you score 70 points and win 70 to 20, I would imagine emotionally it's hard to keep that going. And I'm actually a bit worried that Miami next week is going to be, after this incredible dominant win, a little bit flat to start the game. And that could really affect them next week on the road at Buffalo. But uh, we got to talk about this. It's got to be cool for Dolphins head coach Mike McDaniel. Remember, he grew up in the Denver area, went to high school there, Smoky Hill High School in Aurora, Colorado. Um, he was a Broncos ball boy. His first ever job in coaching in 2005 was with the Denver Broncos. So this is Mike McDaniel dunking on his childhood team. That's very, very cool and has to feel good if you're Mike McDaniel. So uh, it's just very cool for him. Miami, dominant win, 70-20. to 20. They play at Buffalo next week. I'm worried that they're just going to come out a little bit flat. It's after this emotional, massive victory. It's easy to be a little bit flat and emotionally on a low next week. And I worry about, um, we're we're kind of overselling this. I I just, I'm telling you now, I'm a little bit worried about Miami next week. I'm rooting for Miami openly. I love Tua. I love their quarterback. But uh, I am a little bit like, hmm, can they do it again next week? It's hard to just sustain that level of incredible success. Now, another team that got their butts kicked, we talked about Denver. They lost literally by 50 points, but Chicago also got their butts kicked. The Bears lost to Kansas City 41-10. to My roommate's a Bears fan. She was disappointed but understood when, at the end of the game, they ended up taking it off the national broadcast and putting the, Card- the Cardinals and Cowboys game and making that the game to watch because... While she wanted to watch Chicago, she understood, like, hey, this is not a good football game anymore. Uh, Justin Fields was 11 for 22 passing. He had 99 yards throwing. Uh, He had one touchdown, one interception. 
He was also a leading rusher. Justin Fields ran for 47 yards. I just want to say this really quickly. We just talked about Miami and how great Miami is, and they won by 70. They won 70 to 20. They won by 50 points. They put up incredible yards and incredible numbers, and Miami ran for five touchdowns and 350 yards. Tua threw for 309 yards and four touchdown passes. Only three incomplete passes in that football game. How does that matter in context related to Chicago? Here's how. I would say be patient with Justin Fields. I remember very, very vividly when everyone was calling Tua Tungavaloa a bust. Now he's the leading passer in the NFL, dominating, throwing for a ton of yards, ton of touchdowns. I watched Chicago. I watched this game, Kansas City uh, against Chicago. The Bears are horrible. The play calling is bad. They were running the ball against a loaded box, meaning that there was a bunch of defenders right around the line of scrimmage ready to stop the run. And Chicago just ran right into it multiple times. Like, what are you doing? That's not a good idea. That There's no, they are not asking you. They're, what they're, really, multiple times, Chicago was just running right into a trap. I mean, basically the best way to say that, Kansas City put a bunch of bodies around the line of scrimmage, loaded the box, expecting the Bears to run. And the Bears didn't run play action. They didn't do anything out of the ordinary. They just ran right into it and got stuffed for no yards. It's like, what are we doing here, guys? What's the, what's happening coaching-wise here? Justin threw a great ball down the right sideline that DJ Moore dropped. You're like, that's a beautiful throw. That's not Justin's fault. Justin Fields is not perfect. We watched him. We've seen him in three games now this year. And I'll acknowledge, it's possible Justin Fields is garbage and cannot be saved. That's a, entirely a possibility. At one point, I remember believing in Zach Wilson, saying, ah, let's see what Zach Wilson can do. He's going to have a better team around him, and we are learning Zach Wilson, the once talented young quarterback, is just a bad quarterback, right? I've given up on Zach Wilson. But I'm not ready to give up on Justin Fields yet. I think that what he can do running the football is truly unique, and people, everyone's dunking on Justin Fields, calling him a bust, making fun of him, saying how horrible he is. I just want to remind you, remember, people were once calling Tua a bust. And then look what happened when he got a great head coach, a star receiver, and some help. Tua is a much different quarterback. No one would dare call him a bust now. Personally, I want to see what Justin Fields could do with a great coach and better teammates. And uh, remember, Chicago was so bad last year. This gets kind of forgotten because they traded down in the draft. The Bears were so bad. They were the number one they had the number one pick last year in the draft. They had the worst record in all of football. And by the way, nobody lost their job. GM was kept. Head coach was kept. Offensive coordinator was kept. I don't agree with that. I don't think that was the right decision at all. You have this really talented young quarterback, and you don't want to waste his potential, and you don't want to waste any more time. I'm, I'm so disappointed in Chicago. I'm not surprised. I'm just let down. I'm like, man, why... Why did we keep Matt Eberflus? Why have there not been changes made? And, uh, you know, I, I don't think that there's a lot of Justin Fields just walking the earth. I, I really think that anyone ready to get rid of him or throw him away needs to acknowledge how rare a player like him actually is. He's got the ability to do what he can do. And if Mike McDaniel was a coach in Chicago, I think we'd see a very different Justin Fields who's got confidence, who would have better coaching, who wouldn't be looking like a mess every week. And uh, I think the power of coaching was shown this week when we saw Tua dominate and look amazing. Remember where he once was. Don't forget that. 
what good coaching can do for a young player. Oh, yeah, by the way, get him some help. Get him a better teammate or two. I just, man, uh, everyone's ready to get rid of Justin Fields. I want to see Justin Fields with a good coach who's catering to his skill set and believes in him and is giving him confidence rather than what they got going on right now in Chicago. Next week, we got kind of a toilet bowl, by the way. Week four, Denver plays at Chicago. Both teams are 0-3. I expect Denver to win that football game, but uh, the toilet bowl next week. Denver at Chicago. We'll cover it. We'll have fun with it. Who's going to win the toilet bowl, baby? It's What's funny, by the way, Chicago's logo, everyone makes this joke. It's nothing new, but Chicago's logo does kind of look like a toilet seat if you, like, turn it sideways. <laughs> it's really funny. I don't know. Everyone's made that joke before, but uh, it, it remains true. By the way, in this football game, Patrick Mahomes is unreal. Patrick Mahomes had three touchdowns against Chicago, and he does stuff that, it's just unguardable. I, I really, like, I talked earlier in the show about how, you know, I, I'm kind of chasing the feeling of watching a great game like TCU Colorado. Um, you know who I'll never get sick of watching play football? Patrick Mahomes. And Patrick Mahomes is kind of ruining football all around. Every other quarterback I watch pales in comparison. When I have to watch Jimmy Garoppolo against Kenny Pickett, I want to rip my eyeballs out because I'm like, oh, I, know, I know what the best looks like. This is nowhere near that. Mahomes had a play where... He, like, stepped up in the pocket, didn't set his feet. He's kind of shimmying sideways up in the pocket. He flicks it deep down the left sideline on a corner ball to Justin Watson for, like, a massive gain. And you're like, that's one of the most difficult throws anyone's going to make all of NFL Week 3. And he makes it look effortless. I mean, people don't even appreciate. We're, like, so numb to how good Patrick Mahomes is that— And I know that people get mad, like, oh, ESPN covering Mahomes again. But I, I think people really don't understand— just how insanely good he is. And, uh, man, I, I just, uh, I, I have, I, in fact, I was even briefly one of those people. It's like, I'm just kind of tired of his dominance. I'll tell you what, I watch a lot of football. I will never complain ever again anytime I have to watch Patrick Mahomes. It's so fun. Especially watching him with teammates that aren't as good, actually. Having to elevate guys like the name Justin Watson, she Rice. Like, he is elevating people that... I, you know, they're, they're NFL veterans, some of them. Like, Justin Watson's been in the league since 2018, fifth-round pick out of Penn. But these are not great players that Patrick Mahomes is playing with, and he's elevating them, making them look so good. And uh, nah, I just I, I, I will never, ever, ever complain again. I have perspective now. I've had to watch a lot of Kenny Pickett. I've had to watch, I watched Jimmy Garoppolo play an entire football game just now, like a couple minutes ago. I will never, ever again complain about having to watch, having to, quote-unquote, getting to watch Patrick Mahomes play football. He's amazing and uh, so much fun to watch. Also, I feel like we have to mention this. I, You know, um, I, I can already tell I'm going to be very quickly tired of this. I can already, just the amount of posts I've seen on social media, the amount of, um, the amount of, like, coverage this is getting is really insane. I can tell after, like, barely a week of it. I'm sick of it, even though I kind of want to talk about it too. Um, so I, I'm going to be very quick and I'm not going to linger on it like a lot of people do. By the way, I think people's private lives should be private. I loved when Tua Tungvaloa got married and didn't tell anybody. That's kind of fun. I like that. Um, but Taylor Swift <laughs> was at the game hanging out with Donna Kelsey, Travis Kelsey's mom, which was, uh, it was a great game to go to, by the way. Kansas City won 41 to 10. 
Travis Kelsey had seven catches, 69 yards, nice baby, and a touchdown. So uh, Travis Kelsey was awesome. They won easily. You know, Taylor Swift hanging out with Travis Kelsey's mom. The rumors are over. They're they're dating. I you had I mean I have to imagine either that or it's some kind of marketing ploy, which yeah look it's Hollywood. I don't trust Hollywood or uh, celebrity whatever you want to call it. I don't trust anything I see anymore. I, I see something and I look at it and go, how am I being manipulated? I'm not sure what the angle is here, but there's probably some kind of angle. I have no idea. People like Taylor Swift don't get in front of a camera and ton of in front of a ton of people on national TV without. Uh, some reason or um, willingness to to be a part of it, but uh, still, you know, how many of you had your girlfriend send you a message or a text or tell you about? Oh, did you see Taylor Swift at the Chiefs game? I did, and uh, yeah, I know. And in about a week, I'm gonna want to rip my eyeballs out. I've been saying that a lot this episode. Maybe rip my ears off. Just I'm gonna get really tired of hearing about Taylor Swift and Travis Kelsey and oh, their budding romance. I, you realize Taylor Swift goes through guys like, I mean, like every month she's got a different one and is going to write a whole album about them. Anyway, uh, I want to give a shout out to Houston Texans quarterback, CJ Stroud. He's a rookie, was a number two overall pick. CJ Stroud got his first ever win in the NFL. Dude, congratulations. That's amazing. Houston beat the Jaguars 37 to 17. And, uh, C.J. Stroud got his first victory as an NFL quarterback much faster than I expected. I really thought it was going to be a long, brutal year where it would take a long time for him to play well, let alone win a football game. Already in week three, C.J. Stroud was 20 for 30 passing against Jacksonville, had 280 yards, two touchdowns, zero turnovers. And uh, as far as confidence for C.J. Stroud, confidence for his teammates in him. I think everyone now looks around Houston and they feel really good. They're like, man, we got the right guy. This is awesome. And I just, I like seeing CJ Stroud do good things and winning football games. That's awesome for him. But um, as far as the trajectory of CJ Stroud's career, this is monumental, man. This is going to be a, a moment he can look back on. If he struggles next week, I, I don't remember who they play next week, but there is going to be moments where he can always look back and go, no, I, I've proven to myself I can do it. And that's so important. You can preach confidence. You can talk about how good you think you are, all this stuff. But until you have a great game and do it at the highest level, it's hard. To, you're, you feel like you're, you're lying to yourself. You're telling yourself you can do it. Now CJ Stroud can say, no, I, I was right to believe in myself. And this is a moment he can always look back on and a touchstone he can use the rest of the year. I want to mention Trevon Walker remains a, no, a non-impact uh, for the Jacksonville Jaguars. They drafted him with a number one overall pick. Um, I've been watching a lot of football in the last couple weeks, and you know, TJ Watt takes over football games. TJ Watt was by himself impacting the Raiders game for Jimmy Garoppolo, making their entire offense have to speed up, not allowing Jimmy Garoppolo to get to his second and third reads all the time. That's the impact a great pass rusher can have on a football game. Travon Walker's had next to no impact all year so far this year. That's the guy they drafted number one overall. Aiden Hutchinson, the number two overall pick, right after him in Detroit, is making an impact three games into the year and last year. Javon Walker was drafted because he had potential to become a better player than Aiden Hutchinson. That was the justification, why people assumed they took Travon Walker rather than Aiden Hutchinson. I'll tell you what. Jacksonville needs a really good pass rusher. They need someone to step up. They need the guy they drafted number one overall to step up and become 
what they drafted him to be. And so far, everyone's sitting there with their hands open waiting, and Trevon Walker is not delivering and becoming the great pass rusher, getting after quarterback, wrecking games that I think they drafted him hoping he would become. Um, we have to talk about this. I want to give a shout-out to Arizona. The Arizona Cardinals won their first game of the year. Well done. The Cardinals beat Dallas 28-16. to Probably kind of the upset of the week. A lot of people did not see that coming. Josh Dobbs, the Cardinals quarterback. The, the alopecia man. Did anyone see that post the Cardinals put on social media? Them and a cheer. It was Josh Dobbs and a cheerleader like having kind of an awkward conversation on camera about how they both have alopecia and, and went bald, which no, no shade. It's just like, it felt weird. It was like, why, why does this need to be a social media post? I don't know. But regardless, Josh Dobbs, who I have come to love, man, he just an awesome dude got traded for before week one and became their starting quarterback very quickly, basically immediately and had only four incomplete passes against a really good Dallas Cowboys defense. I know they don't have Trevon Diggs anymore, but still, um, Josh Dobbs, what a what a way to play. Arizona led the entire football game. They had no turnovers. Dak threw an interception on third and goal at the end of the game. And uh, Arizona's now one and two. And I, I just, I got to say, they lost a close game week one, Arizona did. They lost 16 to 20 to Washington. But they were in that game. They were fighting hard. It was competitive. Then last week in week two, they had a 20 to nothing lead over the Giants. They ended up losing 31 to 28. But still, I, I know that's a, a horrible way to lose a game. He kind of handed away the victory and allowed the Giants to come back. But still, I remember feeling like, man, still two weeks into the season, Arizona's way more competitive than I would have thought. And finally, in week three, Arizona got their first win of the year. I, look, I made fun of goofy Jonathan Gannon a lot during the preseason. I made a lot of accusations. They are tanking. Uh, I didn't see this coming, man. Not only is Arizona... Um, I, I still have the theory that they're the team, the players and coaches, they're not tanking. You, you just you can't operate and run a football team that way. It doesn't work. It doesn't make any sense. I still believe in my heart that the general manager, the front office, that they are happily they happily cleaned house and got rid of a lot of their talented players and traded for draft picks and are very happy to be bad this year. If the Cardinals are bad this year, I don't think Arizona's gonna bat nine and be disappointed. But certainly, uh, they look way better coached than I expected from Jonathan Gannon. And I'm sure that doesn't hurt. There's some familiarity between Gannon, who was in Philadelphia you know, last year and the years previous, to uh, the Dallas Cowboys, who he played twice a year, multiple times a year, with Philly. But still, man, uh, Jonathan Gannon's doing a much better job than I expected. A defensive head coach, putting his guys in good position. They're competitive. They've been competitive in all three games they've played this year. They finally won one, which is awesome. And I think it just deserves respect. Jonathan Gannon doing a great job getting his team ready. They're more competitive than I would have expected, than I certainly did expect going into the year. And uh, well done for Arizona. The Cowboys, by the way, got into the red zone five times in this football game. They only got one touchdown. They had a turnover on downs on the four-yard line. Later in the game, Dak had an interception on third and goal. The Cowboys... Move the ball a ton. I mean, you know, they only punted the ball twice in this football game. Their running back, Tony Pollard, ran for 122 yards. The Cowboys are moving the ball up and down the field, putting together long drives, kicking field goals, though. And this is where Jonathan Gannon deserves respect in Arizona. His defense did not allow the Cowboys to finish drives in this football game. 
three field goals, only gave up one touchdown. The Cowboys were one for five in the red zone, only one touchdown on five trips to the goal line or to the red zone. And uh, hey, for John and Gannon, his defense in Arizona, that's a job well done. Great job by Arizona. Really cool to see. Now, I've got bad news if you're a New Orleans Saints fan. Uh, Saints quarterback Derek Carr, if you watched it and you're a Saints fan, you saw he got hurt on the first drive of the second half for the New Orleans Saints. We're still waiting to see what the injury is. We'll probably find out tomorrow, Monday morning. Uh, for me, remember, it's very late Sunday night. Derek Carr got sacked and threw down really hard onto his shoulder. Looked like his right shoulder got pounded into the ground. He left the game. Uh, people are saying, like the sources that have leaked stuff out have said that it's not expected to be season ending. So Derek Carr is likely going to be out for a little while, but then come back. Uh, still, it's not good. And without Derek Carr, maybe we learned, I, I've talked about how Derek Carr was 2-0 going into this football game, but not playing great. Like the Saints offense wasn't scoring a lot of points. They were a defensive-led football team. But Derek Carr clearly had an impact. The Saints had a lead 17-0 in the fourth quarter. And without Derek Carr, they blew the lead. The Packers came back. They got a field goal and two touchdowns in the fourth quarter. On that first touchdown, they went for two to make it 15-21. Uh, to 21. Then they, uh, what am I saying? No, no, to make it uh, eight, to make it 17 to 11, excuse me. So that made the game 17 to 11. Then they got a final touchdown in the fourth quarter, kicked the extra point, took a one-point lead, 18 to 17. And so, um, you know, Blake Groupie had a shot for the Saints. He had a 46-yard field goal ready to go, teed up. They kicked it, and he missed at the end of regulation. So uh, the Packers won. It's kind of a cool moment for the Packers. Their young quarterback, Jordan Love, put together his first ever fourth quarter comeback, which is pretty cool. But uh, worse is that the Saints blew a 17-point fourth quarter lead and their quarterback is injured. Mm, it's interesting, man. In two weeks from now, maybe, no, I think it's actually, the, I think I think it's week four. If I'm, if I'm mistaken, I, feel free to correct me. But I, I believe that the Saints played Tampa Next week, in a really important game between likely the two top teams in the a the NFC South, and the Saints might be without their quarterback Derek Carr in a really meaningful, important game against Tampa. That's not great. We'll see how Tampa does tomorrow against Philly. I I, I think Philly's going to win that football game, although I'm not really sure. But uh, the Packers and Saints are both now two and one. Great win for Green Bay. And uh, a tough loss in multiple ways for the Saints, losing their quarterback and losing a 17-0 fourth quarter lead. By the way, let's talk about Monday Night Football. I think Cincinnati's going to beat the Rams, although that could go either way. I really don't know. The Rams are much better and much more competitive than I thought this year. Joe Burrow, the Bengals quarterback, is dealing with a calf injury, which is, seems to be affecting him. I'm not really sure. Sorry, as my, my throat goes, eh. Um, I, I think Philly beats Tampa, but, I mean, I, I, this is really a game we're going to learn how good Tampa is because Tampa's been really good. They're 2-0. But Baker Mayfield has been playing, he's been playing pretty well. He's got three touchdowns and no turnovers, playing clean football. But I'm not convinced Baker isn't winning partially because they haven't played much uh, of competition so far this year. So I'm really fascinated to learn something about Tampa on Monday Night Football against Philly. How good is Tampa? What can they do? And uh, can they hang with a big boy in Philly? Now, let's end the show today with a game I want to play, a game called Which Game Was Worse in Week 3? Denver lost to Miami 70-20. to 20. That's pretty bad. They lost by 50 points. 
Denver's now 0-3. That's hard to recover from. Uh, we talked about it earlier, but they at least play Chicago next week. So Denver, Chicago next week, that's a chance for Denver to get back on track and uh, go 1-3. and three. Ooh, terrifying. So Such a good... They're going to... You know, from here on out, Denver's going to win every game. They're going to beat Denver, then they beat the Jets, and then uh, just ignore the fact that their schedule for the next six games after the Jets is really, really brutal. Kansas City twice, Green Bay, <laughs> Vikings, Cleveland. Uh, uh, just ignore that. Um, so Denver had a horrifying loss, probably the worst loss of the week, but I think there's two challengers that could potentially be similarly or equally, if not even worse than the Denver loss. Washington got beat really bad. Washington started the year 2-0. Their fans were very loud, telling us how great their season is going. Our offense is amazing. And unfortunately, Washington fans fell back to earth this week. Washington, first of all, um, they were part of a game where 40 points were scored, and that's great. Unfortunately, 37 of them were from Buffalo. So Washington's high-flying offense fell down to earth. They lost to Buffalo 37-3. to And uh, Washington quarterback Sam Howell had not one, not two, not even three, but four interceptions in this football game. And not even like fluky, weird, bad interceptions, like bad interceptions in the fact that he made a bad decision, put the ball in the wrong spot. Throw a pick six to A.J. Epinesa, a defensive lineman. Um, the Commanders had five total turnovers. If you're a Washington fan right now, um, I'm so sorry. <laughs> I am so sorry about your team. Uh, you know, Brian Simpson, friend of the show, you're a Commanders fan. Um, and I, I feel you. I, under, I, I empathize with your pain. I am sorry your team lost in such a horrifying, horrific way. And then another loss that... You know, again, I don't know if Washington's loss was really worse than Denver, but it definitely was more deflating because the, the team was 2-0. Everyone in Washington was really hoping that hey, this is our year. We're a better team. Our offense is better. If we're a good team, we can challenge a team like Buffalo. And they learned very quickly, uh, no, no, they're not a good team and, and can't challenge a team like Buffalo. This loss, though, the next one I want to talk about was uh, a painful reminder of pain that Jets fans still are not over. The Jets lost to the Patriots 10 to 15, and uh, Zach Wilson, the Jets quarterback, completed only 50% of his passes. He was 18 for 36 with 157 yards passing. No touchdowns, no interceptions, but no touchdowns. And it's so clear that the Jets are a capable football team and just a quarterback away. I'm still sad about Aaron Rodgers, man. I was really hoping. Like Sunday Night Football next week, Kansas City at the Jets. Patrick Mahomes against what quarterback? Zach Wilson. Ah, dang it, man. I was so primed up and ready for a really fun, exciting year for the Jets. And uh, it's why the Jets can't have nice things, man. This poor fan base. I feel so bad for them. I saw a really great meme, though. It was a Bugatti parked in a trailer park. Like, literally, like, parked at a trailer under the overhang. Like, like they live there. And uh, someone posted uh, Garrett Wilson in New York with the Jets. It's basically like having a Bugatti but living in a trailer park. It's so perfect, you know. Garrett Wilson, this amazing, awesome receiver playing with Zach Wilson, a not amazing, not awesome quarterback. And, uh, oh, man. right, Which win was worse? Did Was Denver? That's probably the worst loss. Losing by 50 to Miami, but 37-3, sucking all the hope out of Washington. That had to hurt. And then stepping on the wounded corpse of, uh, I guess you can't be wounded corpse, that would be, you have to be dead or wounded, 
uh, but stepping on, you know, kicking a Jets fan while they're down, losing a game by five to their hated New England Patriots, a very winnable game if they only had a competent quarterback. <laughs> it's got to be painful. So those are three really brutal, horrible losses from uh, for football fan bases during week three. I am really curious what's going to happen tomorrow. Can the Jets, sorry, Jets, why? Well, still hung up on the Jets. Can Tampa hang with Philly? That's what we're going to find out. And, you know, the more I think about it, I like I like the idea of the Rams beating Cincinnati. I mean, I don't like the idea of Cincinnati being 0-3. I love Joe Burrow. I love the Cincinnati uh, fan base. I love Cincinnati as a city. But those Rams, man, they are talented. I think that's a, a really fun, underrated game is that Monday night game, Cincinnati against the Rams. And uh, this really talented, young, fun Rams team playing against a Cincinnati team that's 0-2 and desperately needs a win. I think Monday Night Football is going to be awesome. I'm certainly hoping so. And uh, I I don't want to watch any more bad primetime games. I really don't. I don't want to watch any more Kenny Pickett's against Jimmy Garoppolo. Please, I want to see high-level, really fun, exciting quarterback play. Is that too much to ask? It probably is, but, you know, (laughs) we'll see. Guys, I love you. I appreciate you. I hope you have a great day. Uh, Happy, I'm, I'm recording a Sunday night, pretty early Sunday night, actually, you know, Sunday night football's at 2 o'clock here in Hawaii. It's like, what is it now, 7 o'clock here? Yeah, 7.30. So pretty early still on Sunday for me. You're going to hear this on Monday. I love you. Happy Monday. Enjoy Monday night football tonight. I will see you Tuesday uh, to talk about Monday night football, to talk about Deion Sanders and Colorado's disappointing loss. Uh, I'll find a way to talk about Notre Dame and their cool green uniforms as they lost to Ohio State. A lot of fun stuff left to be talked about from this weekend of football, but... That's all for now. I love you. Appreciate you. And uh, see you on the next one. Ba-dum-bum. Bam. We are...